We're going to be reading the first 11 verses. Last week, we studied Jesus' promise to his disciples that he would send the Holy Spirit to be a comforter and helper to them. And we saw that it is absolutely necessary for us to have the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is intending to encourage his disciples this whole time and to strengthen them for the time that is near, his death and then his physical departure to heaven. And so this week, what we're reading is Jesus continuing to speak to his disciples as they are walking. They left the upper room at the end of last week's passage, and this week, apparently, they're on their way to uh, the garden, and he explains the nature of our relationship with him, and he uses the analogy of a vine and branches, describing us as the branches and himself as the vine. And the point, as he says, is that our joy would be made full. So this is a sweet thing to hear about what our relationship to Jesus Christ is, that it's the vine and the branches. But let's be clear from the beginning, there are also some very hard truths in this passage, including the idea of us as branches being pruned or even thrown away, and the hopelessness of any who are not connected to him, the vine. So last week, the necessity of having the Holy Spirit, and then ending by saying that if we have the Spirit, we'll be united with Him, and then this week, describing what that union is. It's the connection between a vine and a branches. So please stand as we read from God's Word, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Fruitfulness is at the center of this passage, isn't it? Over and over again, the question of being fruitful is raised the necessity of bearing fruit. So how do we define fruitfulness? At its core, fruitfulness is productivity, right? Accomplishing the work God has given us to do. Our ultimate purpose is to glorify God, right? You guys remember... The question from the Catechism, the old style is man's chief end, man's main purpose. The whole reason we exist is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And what do we see in verse 8? We see Jesus saying that God is glorified when we bear fruit and so prove to be Jesus' disciples. God is glorified by our fruitfulness. So what is that fruitfulness? What is that that productivity that he's referring to? Well, fruit is always the natural result of the internal reality. The outworking of what is in. Right? And so children, the fruit of the womb, are the fruit of a loving relationship between a man and his wife. Right? It is natural. It flows from that relationship. It is the product, the fruitfulness. Similarly, if you remember the passage in Hebrews on discipline, it says that godly discipline in the end bears the peaceful fruit of Righteousness, right? So righteousness is the fruit of godly discipline. And then, we know many other examples that are given throughout the Bible uh, where we're told that the one thing follows the other naturally. It's the fruit of it. So, corrupted morals are the fruit of bad company. Right? If we give ourselves to being in bad company, there will be a natural fruit from that, 
and it will be that our morals are corrupted. Whatever is sown produces the appropriate fruit for the thing that is sown. So when you go all the way back to Genesis, when, Jesus, when God is creating the world, we read that uh, there's, this, there's this repeated phrase, they're kind. You guys remember that? In kind. So the animals produce the offspring according to their kind. The trees produce fruit and then offspring trees according to their kind and so forth. And part of the reason for that is because the, the passage is pointing out that there was no kind that was like Adam, right? You needed, you needed Eve before Adam could produce fruit in kind. So fruit trees produce fruit according to kind, and animals are fruitful according to their kind, and whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap because that's what the fruit is going to be, whatever you sowed. If you plant oats, you're not going to reap wheat, right? And this is, this is a natural reality of how God has made the world. He's produced the rules of how everything works. And one of the rules is that whatever is planted that's what the fruit is going to be. And so we can't plant figs and gather thorns, and we can't plant thorns and gather grapes. But if you plant grapes, you're going to what? You're going to gather grapes, because grape seeds produce grape plants, produce grapes. Now, all of this is very obvious, and that's why I say it's natural, and we, we all know it. It's one of the first things you, you learn when you're a kid and you have those little experiments about you know, putting seeds in the dirt and watering them in the little styrofoam cup and everything, that what comes up is going to be whatever you planted. You put in those little beans and up pops a little tiny bean plant. And if you ever get it to survive beyond this tall, right, then eventually it will produce beans. But it's not going to grow into an oak tree. And you, you realize that when you say you know, you, you're taught that right at that early age. And so we know this. And in this passage, fruitfulness is just central. And so it's easy for us to go and talk about fruitfulness the whole time without ever being clear what exactly is the fruitfulness that Jesus is talking about here. We know that a vine is supposed to produce fruit, and so we talk about fruit. But in our passage, fruitfulness cannot be separated from obedience. Leading up to this passage at the very end of John chapter 14, Jesus speaks of his own obedience 
He says, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let us go from here. That's the end of the previous chapter, the very, the, the very verse right before what we read today. I do exactly as the Father commanded me. He ends, and then he says, get up. And then they, they walk out, and then he starts talking about himself as the vine, and the Father is a vine dresser, and then all of us, the apostles, and everybody else being branches. Then in verse 10, he speaks of his own obedience again. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So we're to abide in his love, right? It's simple. It's what we were talking about some last week. But that obedience is really central to the fruitfulness that Jesus is talking about. How is obedience connected to fruitfulness? Well, in two ways. The first way is that obedience is the fruit. If you abide in Christ, you will obey him. If you are, Abiding means being attached to him as the vine, right? So if you're attached to him, you will obey, and the obedience is the fruit, right? But the other thing is that Obedience is the uh, obedience is the the joy of being united with him, and so Jesus Jesus turns the order around sometimes <laughs> that. Obeying leads to fruit. It's not just the fruit. It leads to fruit. Okay? So there's this weird, there's this weird thing where I say, you know, if you, if you abide in him, you will bear fruit. You will, and that will be you obeying him more. Right? But on the other hand, I say, obeying him is abiding in him, and it will lead to the good fruit. So let's let's unpack that a little bit by first talking about what unfruitfulness is. Okay? When we feel unfruitful, we might do a lot of different things. We have some natural inclinations when we feel unfruitful of what we're going to do about it. But when we feel unfruitful, we don't like that feeling. And so sometimes, if we feel unfruitful, our inclination is to try harder. Right? Just pour some more gasoline in there, drink some more coffee, whatever it takes. 
We just got to get, we just got to try harder. We're going to get her done. Or maybe if we feel like we're not being productive in our life, not being fruitful, we might blame others. Say other people are getting in our way, preventing us from being fruitful, preventing us from producing what we're supposed to produce. And I'm being very vague in what fruitfulness you may be feeling is lacking in your life, right? I'm just talking any kind of, any kind of missing productivity that you want. You may blame others. You may blame your circumstances and say it was because I didn't wake up in time. My alarm didn't wake me up, and so therefore I've been unproductive. Therefore I've been unfruitful all day. And that's that's just the way it goes. Or maybe when you feel unfruitful, you lower the target. Change your goal down a couple notches so that you're still fruitful. You redefine fruit, right? Eh, you know, I said I was going to get these 17,000 things done today, but I'm going to be satisfied with these three things I got done today. That's being productive today. Or maybe you just stop trying entirely. Eh, it's hopeless. I, yeah, I can't can't accomplish what I'm supposed to accomplish, so I give up. But our own feeling of fruitlessness, being unfruitful, is not necessarily because of actual fruitlessness. And that's something we've got to get through our minds from the beginning here. our own feeling of unfruitfulness might not be lined up with God's definition of unfruitfulness. Okay? In other words, we can feel fruitful when we aren't, by God's definition, bearing fruit for Him. And we can even feel unfruitful when we are actually bearing fruit according to His definition. And whose definition matters? Well, God's definition is the one that matters, right? But when we feel unfruitful, the only proper response, regardless of what area, and remember, I just left it wide open in terms of what things you might be feeling unfruitful about. It might have been the work that you had scheduled that day. It might have been your school. It might have been the chores that you had to do. It might have been anything or everything. The only proper response to unfruitfulness, whether real or imagined, is to abide in Christ. that will result in bearing good fruit. If we abide in him, and he in us, we will bear fruit.
why will it bear fruit? Well, because our very essence is different when he is in us. I meant to look up how they make, uh, how they make grapples. Do you guys remember grapples? They were, they, were, uh, they were a fruit that was like a cross between a, an apple and a grape. I don't know. You guys remember these? Some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? I got that face, yep. yep. Huh? I've never seen that. You guys got to look, look for some of this stuff. Buy it this week. Every once in a while, they'll come out with this new crazy fruit. It's, and it's really very new. And, uh, and it's odd. They'll do it with pears and apples, too. Um, and and I, if I remember right, the way they do this is they'll take an apple branch, and you guys have heard of grafting, right? Take an apple branch and put it onto a different tree, and well, you take you take a pear branch and you put it on an apple tree, and what does it grow? Half pear, half apple. Yeah, it it changes what grows. It's weird. And what's my point? Well, my point is that what you're attached to changes your very essence. What's flowing through you, the sap that comes up out of that branch, I mean, out of the vine and into the branch, right? Out of the tree, into the branch. It changes the very essence of what you're producing. The very essence of what you are is suddenly different, and therefore the fruit that you will produce is suddenly different. If you abide in Christ, what you are, what's flowing in you on the inside is different, right? Now, this can sound very mystical and, and, and weird, but it's just what Jesus says here. Abide in him, and he will be in you, and you'll be attached to him, and what will come out will be his good fruit. And that's encouraging. That's what the point is. That's how our joy is made full. Knowing that when we abide in him, we will have that good fruit growing from us because we're attached to him. Good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit. When Christ is in us, we are good. It's that simple. He will not produce bad fruit because he is a good tree. Now, let's talk for a minute about actual unfruitfulness. You should not expect your work to bear fruit for God while disobeying him. You cannot expect good fruit from disobedience, right? Actual unfruitfulness. If you evaluate your life, How are you going to tell whether you've been fruitful 
or unfruitful. The most important thing, the very first thing that you need to know when you are trying to figure that out is whether you are abiding in Christ or not. Because if you are, you will produce good fruit. And it might be small. It might not be a lot of fruit. But you know what? Good news. What does he do with branches that produce fruit? He prunes them so that they will produce more fruit. So do you have fruit? Do you have the fruit of obeying God? Then he will prune you and help you to produce more fruit. And that's good news. And you're looking at me and you think, well, yeah, I mean, theoretically it's good news. Right? But even the Bible admits that discipline is not pleasant for the moment, right? So I'm not really sure whether I want to be pruned. And this is why I said from the beginning, yeah, let's, let's, let's be clear from the beginning. There are some hard truths in this passage. Do we produce the kind of fruit that we ought? Do we produce the amount of fruit that we ought? If you think about our scripture lesson, the talents that have been given to us, do we produce according to the resources that we have been provided? Some of us have been given more. Some of us have been given less. Those who have been given more, from them, more fruit will be expected, right? How much have you been given? Are you producing the way you ought to? It is actually very good news that God will prune us so that we will produce more, so that we'll do better. And yes, it's painful, but it's for our benefit. And it's for His glory. And it's completely different from the branches that produce no fruit. Right? The servant that produced no fruit, even what he had was taken away from him, right? And in our passage... The branch that bears no fruit, it says, is taken away. Taken away from what? Taken away from the vine. Cut off. Thrown away. And ultimately, then what does it say? Happens to that branch. It's burned. The branch that bears no fruit is ultimately burned. They will not be pruned. They will be cut off. Do you want to produce fruit? For God. For His kingdom. Do you want to produce fruit in your home, in your family, in your work, 
Do you want to produce fruit in your chores, kids? Do you want to produce fruit in your studying? This is not hypothetical or disconnected. This is actually what Jesus is talking about to his disciples. All of life is included in this, and this includes from the time that we are young to the time that we are old. We are able to bear fruit our whole life for him. And yet so much of the time, we are pursuing something other than God's intent. So much of the time, we're working just for the sake of being able to say, I worked. Again, returning to our scripture lesson, you remember the wicked slave said, here's your money, you've got what's yours, right? I took care of it, I worked. But is that what the master wanted? No, he wanted it to produce fruit, right? He wanted the talent that was given to the one slave to to produce fruit, not just for the servant to say, yeah, I worked to keep it safe. He wanted that slave to have the same goal as he had. We are to have the same goal as God. Fruitfulness. Not just working for the sake of saying, yeah, I worked. If you're sitting at the dinner table and you're eating 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 and and two hours goes by and you're still eating, have you accomplished the goal? The goal is that your food would be what, kids? Gone. Yes, thank you. Et up, as it were. But it's possible for us to sit there and work at eating without ever actually accomplishing the fruit of eating, which is gone food. You guys familiar with this? Or what about the bathroom? You're sent into the bathroom to clean the bathroom. You could stay in there 15 minutes. You could stay in there half an hour. You could stay in there four hours working, right? You could be working and working and working and working. But when you walk out of the bathroom... If it does not look clean, have you accomplished the goal? Has all of your work borne any fruit? No. Because the fruit is the goal that you're going towards, right? So if you think about church planting... The, the goal is that there would be an established church at the end, right? That's the fruit that we want. Or if you think about getting married, one of the goals that you have is that there would be children, right? Because it's the purpose behind. Why do you sit at the table to eat? So that the food goes in you. Why do you go in the bathroom to clean? So that it ends up clean. Why do you study your homework? 
so that you learn. Not so that it is done. Not so that you can say, I studied for two hours. Who cares how long you studied? What we want to know is, did you learn anything? Right? The goal matters. God demands that we work toward a goal. And the goal is clear in this passage. It is fruitfulness. Growth on its own is is worthless. We want growth that produces fruit. Vine branches that don't produce fruit are just sucking nourishment that could be going to producing fruit, right? If you grow tomatoes, when they start to grow up, they split and they grow leaves and they grow more branches and they split and they grow leaves and they grow more branches. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. And what do you need to do? You need to prune it, right? And what do you prune? You prune the suckers. The branches that start trying to grow out between the leaf and the main branch. Get this little... You just cut that right off. And if you don't, what does it do? It grows another branch out of the branch. And it grows like crazy. And all of the nourishment goes out into making this new branch. But do you want a new branch? What you want is what? Fruit. And so you cut it off. And if you don't, I mean, it just goes crazy with growth. And you've got tomato plant everywhere. But is there any fruit? The fruit suffers. There may be fruit, but if it's not pruned, the fruit suffers. And so we had tomato plants one time, and I finally went out to prune them. And it had been way too long since they had been pruned, if they had ever been pruned. And they were a disaster. And there were suckers that had turned into whole tomato plants. They were growing along the ground, out underneath, and coming up other places. And and so you know what I did? I cut them all off. And it it was hard to do, not just because there was an awful lot of tomato plant there and it was hard to figure out what, was, what were the suckers? But the reason it was hard to do is because you were cutting off so much plant. And it, you, you know, I threw away half of the tomato plant. And there was actually quite a bit of fruit. It was coming up to the end of the season. And it's like, if we don't get tomatoes off of this thing now, we're never going to get them. And it's still putting all its energy into producing new branches and new flowers. You've got new, new little flowers everywhere. 
So I chopped and chopped and chopped and cut and cut and cut and cut and threw it all away. Do you know what happened? Two days later, there was this explosion of red. All the energy that had been going to keeping all of these branches and starting all these new flowers and trying to create all this new fruit suddenly was going straight to the tomatoes. And they got huge compared to what they had been. And they turned ripe just like that. It was amazing. It was incredible. It was the whole point of having tomato plants. God wants fruit from us. Not the appearance of doing a lot of work, but actual fruit. Our ultimate purpose is to bring God glory. And here we're told that the way to do that is to abide in Christ so we will bear much fruit. Now, one temptation that we face immediately right here where I start, you know, turning you towards you have to produce fruit, you have to produce fruit, you have to produce fruit, immediately... One of the temptations that we face is to seek to produce fruit to offer to God, but not by abiding in Christ, but rather through disobedience. Or through some other means than what he commands. Now this is, this is tempting because Producing fruit the way he commands is going to involve things like pruning, discipline, right? And hard work. And so, if you think of, uh, if you return to the dinner table and you think of the goal, me saying that the food would be gone, right? The goal is that the food is gone, so... Is, is it accomplishing the goal to take the bowl and stick it under the table so the dog can eat it? Is that accomplishing the goal? Well, kind of maybe sort of in a sense. If I say the goal is that the food would be gone, right? And yet, is that actually accomplishing the goal? No, sorry kids, that's not the point. The point isn't just that the food would be gone. The point is that the food would be gone in the appropriate manner. (laughs) The way that you have been commanded to make the food gone, not some other way. Disobedience will not produce good fruit because it is not abiding in Christ. 
and it's not seeking the Father's glory, no matter what our claims are. Now, you can do this in every area of your life. Every, everything that I, I can sit up here and I can talk about what fruitfulness looks like, what the fruit is that you're supposed to be aiming towards, and you can take and interpret that in such a way that you're going to, you're going to get it, but not by faith, not the way that God has commanded you to seek that fruit. If I say, children are a reward from the Lord, they're part of the fruit that we're seeking, can you think of an example of somebody seeking that in the wrong way? In the Bible. How about Abraham? You remember when Abraham... And his wife Sarah wanted children. They wanted the fruit, but not the way that God said. And so he married somebody else too, right? Produced fruit. They had a son. But was that what God had commanded? Was that the fruit that God was looking for? This is really how you begin to make sense of that verse. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. Why is obedience better than sacrificing? After all, isn't sacrificing the fruit? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Obedience will result in abiding in Him, which will produce the true and proper fruit that He requires. This is why I said from the beginning, remember, obedience is the fruit, and yet it will also produce the fruit. Think of Cain and Abel. Cain's offering was not accepted, but Abel's was. Right? You guys remember that? That's what got them started down the path that ultimately ended with Abel dying. Murdered by Cain. Cain's offering was not accepted. Did Cain offer it grudgingly? Did he want to keep it? And so he was like, yeah, yeah, here's what God requires. Is that fruitfulness? No. Did he bring something that was inferior? Was his produce offered the weak, yucky fruit that he didn't want? We don't know doesn't say much except that the sacrifice wasn't acceptable to God. And regardless, what we see is that his response when God does not find it acceptable demonstrates to us what is going on. 
it shows us that he did not really desire to glorify God with his offering. Though he would obviously say that was the whole point of him bringing the offering in the first place, right? And this is how we begin to justify disobedience and saying, well, my goal is to be able to bring this sacrifice. Isn't sacrificing what God wants of me? Isn't that the fruit that he's looking for? And God says, no, to obey is better than sacrifice. And this gets at the, gets at the very nature of being a part of the vine, being attached as branches to the vine, means that we are one with the vine, we, we are united with the vine, we have the same goal as the vine. Disobedience will not produce good fruit because it is not abiding in Christ. It's not seeking the Father's glory. No matter what you say you're seeking that, you, that, that he has said is good, right? And there are all kinds of things that are good that we can seek, but the moment that we seek them through disobedience... We are not united with Christ. They can't be flowing from the fruit of being attached to him. And so the joy that we get from bearing fruit for God is in trusting him with the outcome. Right? Our will, as we saw last week, becomes united with God's will. To abide in Him is to have His will for your own, to have His will coursing through you, changing you, nourishing you producing his fruit. And so this is why in verse 7, the promise of fulfilling your prayers is repeated. What do you wish when you are abiding in him? You wish what he wants. Because you're abiding in him. Because his sap is flowing into you as a branch. And this is how we are able to have joy when life doesn't go according to our plan. We think we know what fruitfulness is. And remember from the beginning I was talking about how so much of the time we feel unfruitful and yet that doesn't necessarily mean that we are being unfruitful, right? And so how do you know whether you're actually being unfruitful? Well, if you're not abiding in Christ, there's no way for you to bear fruit. You are being unfruitful. If you are disobeying him, no matter what you think you're aiming for, no matter what good thing you think you're going for, 
you're not bearing fruit, no matter what you end up with. So think of Saul, the army, they're sent out to destroy the Amalekites, right? And they come back with all kinds of animals. And what does Samuel say? Samuel says, to obey is better than sacrifice. And what would, what, would your, what would your immediate response be? But that's so wasteful. Think of all of the fruit that we could have. If we just kept those animals, we could make this amazing sacrifice to God. And I say, if you're disobeying, it doesn't matter what you think you've come up with in the end. Abraham came up with a son. We could establish, a, by outward appearances, great church by aiming at not following God's will, but at the fruit, regardless of the cost, the ends justifying the means, right? But what would, the, what would that fruit be? Well, it might feel really good. It might make everyone look and see like, hey man, something's going on there. God's really at work. You can tell because of all of the fruit. But is there fruit? If there's not obedience, there's no fruit. And finally, then you get to this point where you say, okay, so, but... I mean, things don't go according to my plan, and I know that this is a good thing, but then it's not happening. So how do I know, you know, am I bearing fruit? Am I not bearing fruit? What's going on there? I'm trying to abide in Christ. I'm seeking to obey him, and yet I'm not seeing this good thing that I want. Abraham's looking and he's going, I'm not seeing a son. Or you're looking forward and you're thinking, you know, I want my kids to live securely. I want, them to, uh, I want them to have plenty. I want them to live in a nation that follows God. <clears throat> How can I have joy? Those things are all good. And, it, and you know, if I don't think that those things are going to happen... Life isn't going according to my plan. What a shallow view of this passage to make it about getting the things that we want. The branches don't force their will onto the vine by some magic thing called faith, right? The branches can only be or do what the vine provides the nourishment for. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But when you abide in him, then you will bear fruit. When you abide in him, you can suffer and die for his name's sake. And that can be bearing fruit. That is bearing fruit. 
and what you can know if you are obeying him, and it leads to suffering and dying, is that the fruit is what God was seeking. The fruit is abundant. When you abide in him, then you can face the future of your children's lives without fear, regardless of what it holds or what it looks like it's going to hold. Knowing that he is accomplishing his good pleasure and that therefore, because you're abiding in him, you can take pleasure in it also. When you abide in him, then you can watch other people be pruned or even cast into the fire. And you can say, it's in this way that he produces good fruit for himself. And I rejoice in it. And your joy is made full. And you see the fruit through his eyes. Not through your own fickle feelings of what is and isn't good. And I say that as someone who can switch back and forth in my fickle feelings at the drop of a hat, right? But if we are obeying him, if we are united with him, the fruit that he produces through us will be good and abundant. Even if that means like the missionary who spent 10 years in one spot with no converts. What is the fruit? How long did Abraham wait for a son? You can imagine how tempting it would be after nine years of not seeing converts as a missionary to change your message, right? Can someone just be my friend? I'm just looking for friends at this point. Isn't that what you would want to do? That's what I would want to do. It's lonely. Let's let's call a convert somebody who's willing to be my friend. So nobody would ever be that gauche. And I say, well, that's true. You would never say that. But you would be tempted to do little cuts, the things that are offensive, the things that are keeping people away from the gospel, from accepting it, right? Make those little changes. And now you've got fruit, right? No. Sometimes fruit looks like staying there For another year, another year, another year, and waiting on God because he's pruning, 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 pruning. And he is producing in his time the fruit that he wants in his way which means by our obedience. 